Welcome to Parasol Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And this is episode 300. Boom, boom. Fire and right. display. I feel like it's so not amazing. Just it should be. Maybe dancing baby on the screen. Lots of fun stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a celebration. Baby, I've not heard of that Ooh, meme in so long. Yeah, man. Like this is this episode oh 300. Oh my goodness. This is special. I, I feel like we should do more. But right now it is 621 in the morning. And uh, I don't know how much partying we can get done this early. Yeah, it's all right. But, uh, oh, but we're partying with you yeah, guys. Yeah, you guys can celebrate with us. Let yeah, us know. Maybe maybe this is what we could do. Let us know in the comments below after 300 episodes. Like like what's been your what's been your favorite PHP moment? And then that's how we'll celebrate. We'll we'll read through the comments and everybody can share their favorite PHP moment. Was it a was it one of our conspiracy episodes? Yeah, we need to do those. Was again. it a it's rap a video? A rap. Was it uh was it was it our sourcing video? Like what what's been your thing? What what have, what have you enjoyed the most? I mean, we've had different eras, right? We've had the, remember, you hate me remembering this, but the mean Mike eras where people thought you were being mean to me, even though we banter back and forth. Like, that's fine. Then we had the other era where Orlando, like, he's he's always, like, sugarcoating everything and... Mm. Hey, you're eBay fanboying all the time. Yeah, yeah. You there's that, that era. Not as much. I know, but there's like different eras of the podcast. Yeah. You know, there's there's the doom and gloom era. You know, so it is what it is. So anyway, we're thankful we'll, we'll, for all of you. We'll see what we'll see what this uh what this century of of episodes brings us. <laughs> now, if you've been a day one listener from episode one. Comment below. Even if you're listening to the podcast, you've never been on YouTube, jump on over and just put day one. I, I like to know. I like to know. Uh, and you know, we we have uh, between eleven to 13,000 downloads every week. And so just wondering how many of those are new and how many of those are, you know, return, return listeners. It just always interested about that. But uh, you guys have made us uh, the number one podcast on reselling and we appreciate all of you yeah. and we are grateful. So let's get into this episode 300. 300. What are we talking about today? I feel like we should be saying Sparta or something. Yeah. Like, this is Sparta. This is Purosal Podcast. So, uh, so this episode, we're talking about how has reselling changed and stayed the same since we started the podcast? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to talk about, I think, because 300 episodes going on, I don't know, I think we're like four years now. Uh, Yeah, a lot, a lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same. And there's going to be the normal ebbs and flows of reselling. There's going to be shifts in technology, shifts in in cultural, um, you know, pop culture things people are, are looking for. So uh, there's definitely changes for sure. Uh, but then there's some things that are just going to be the same, like reselling as a as a profession. It's kind of probably been the same in a lot of ways since the beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the oldest professions that there is is the idea of you buy something from somebody and you sell it for more money. And that's kind of basic economics, buy low, sell high. And that's what we do as resellers. So uh, some things will have stayed the same, uh, but but technology and other things have definitely caused changes in the way we source, the way we sell, the way we list, the things we list, all of those things. So uh, that's what we'll be talking about today. So one of the first things I would say since the beginning of the podcast, I mean, we're on year five now, is that there's far more opportunities to source. Or maybe they already were there and maybe we're just aware now. Right. But I do think that things have exploded as far as sourcing. I mean, it's interesting that I say this because, you know, when we first started doing the podcast, you know, there were the YouTubes and, and there were people that were saying like, oh, there's no more to source, like everything's saturated. But I, I think it's the opposite. Uh, some key things is liquidation is a lot easier now. There's a lot more access to it. 
I, there's a lot more items to liquidate now, especially because the inventory glut that we have uh, due to the chain supply issues of the last two years. Now things are showing up. And so a lot of people are getting uh, Amazon pallets or Target pallets, wherever it is. There's a lot more opportunity if you want to go down that road. Uh, and uh, think about it. There was no Facebook marketplace when we started the podcast. Yeah, I don't think so. Or if there was, it was very, it was very small. It wasn't really a big thing. Um, so yeah, Facebook marketplace. Even the offer up, let go combination, and, and kind of the the, the rise in, in the alternate alternatives to Craigslist. Right, Craigslist was kind of like the go to, and Craigslist has kind of changed and <laughs> and being it has bad. not changed. It stayed the same. But I mean, it's it's changed in the sense it's not like the go to. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, anymore, yeah, right? yeah. So a lot of people are looking at other platforms for for things. Uh, so there's definitely been changes in in that sense. And another thing, like you mentioned, that maybe maybe some of it has is less of a change because there's those technological changes, but then things like uh, Instagram and TikTok have allowed greater access to people to understand how to do, maybe if they're trying to do Amazon, they're trying to figure out how to get ungated in a, in a category and they're trying to figure out how do I get, you know, these items wholesale. So I get a receipt Well, I can go through these companies. A lot of it is just ease of access. So before oh, you might not have known, unless you had the connections, you wouldn't have known where to go, where to go, what to do, how to do it. Whereas now the access is a little bit easier. Now the downside to that is that change could have hurt you if you were one of those few people who had the in. Yeah. You did it, you started, you figured it out from scratch. Nobody was there to help you. You had to find the companies. You called a hundred companies. So you found one who could give you a wholesale price. You took a gamble, you got the receipt, you were ungated, um, whatever it was. And then now all of a sudden there's thousands of people who found the same thing that you spent hours looking for weeks looking for because somebody on TikTok gave it away and now the prices the place that you were getting went up so there's definitely the changes could be good for you if you were on the out and now you're on the in or it could be bad for you if you were on the in and, and now you're kind of stuck in a crowded in you know? yeah and, and i'll give an example and and maybe this will help some of you anyways but it's already out there so the amazon gating was a big thing right people used to charge thousands and if you're paying thousands to get ungated I would double think that I would double check that I would research that because for example, something that I just found out in the last six months and it, it made its round on social media and we're going to add to it because it's already out there. So I'm not worried about it. When I, I was ungated in CDs and media a few years ago because I, I was grandfathered in from being on Amazon for over 10 years. And then there was like the CD apocalypse and all these people got regated and I was one of them. And to get ungated, then you had to go through, I believe, like Alliance Entertainment or some other wholesale distributor that everybody's like gatekeeping it. They were like, hey, if you pay us this amount, we'll, we'll let you know who our distributor is and you can get stuff. And so I spent a thousand dollars and I bought a whole bunch of CDs and media. And I did. I got ungated in, in DVDs again uh, and Blu-ray, but I, <laughs> I didn't get ungated in CDs. I stayed gated and I don't know what happened. Maybe I needed to submit my, you know, my, my invoice again. Well, now I, I found out that if you order like through Christian book distributors, like hmm. 10 CDs, like that's a good enough of an invoice. There you go. And and check it out. But I, I just was like, this is crazy. Hmm. Like, if it's it's that it's that much easier now to get this information, mm. right? Where man, I remember four or five years ago, like I remember when I would show that on Amazon, where if I could sell this DVD on Amazon, people would like flood my DMs, like, "Hey, how'd you get ungated? Like, who's your who's your guy?" And and you know, 
all I could say was, no, I, I was, I've been telling Amazon forever and that's just the way it is. And I remember other uh, YouTubers would, you know, buy my course or, you know, on Instagram, Hey, you know, I'll get you ungated. And now it's all out there. So yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about how much information has changed. But when I mean reselling platforms too, is that there's way more opportunities to source on online platforms. Yeah. I've, I've done sourcing on Poshmark. I've done sourcing on obviously things like OfferUp. Uh, there's Mercari now Mercari and whatnot. And whatnot. Yeah. I've, I've bought on whatnot. So you can definitely purchase on a lot of these things. I mean, we've talked about whatnot. In fact, we're going to have an episode coming up um, or no, we just dropped it. We just dropped it. Okay. So I didn't, we're a little bit off on the timing on that. So we just dropped an episode on, on whatnot. And one of the interesting things is a lot of people are selling things almost dirt cheap just because they're trying to grind out that following, get people on there and you kind of have no choice and you're hoping people will show up and buy. But if they don't, well, I just sold this $40 piece for five bucks on mm -hmm. whatnot. So it, there's definitely a lot of sourcing opportunities that just didn't exist before because the platforms didn't exist. Yeah. And so now, you know, you're like, Hey, I can't, my thrift store is too expensive or, you know, I can't afford to do, you know, retail arbitrage or, I'm in a place that doesn't have garage sales. You can just go online. Mm. Like you could spend all day on whatnot and just go through those auctions. You can get a lot of solid inventory right now. I don't know how things will be in a year from now, but that was not available years ago. It just wasn't. I think uh, the situation we were in in this last, you know, two, three years definitely caused a lot of us to go online and, and buy stuff uh, for, you know, basically arbitrage via the platforms. That's right. All right. So another thing is, you know, thrift stores have become far more sophisticated mm. than when we started. Yeah. In a few ways, right? Like in, in a lot of them are becoming more boutique-like and they're becoming mm -hmm. fancier. And Remember when the first one up. showed up in California and people were like, I just came into this boutique like yeah. at, at the store. I shall not be named. And people were like, oh man, the prices are going up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's standard. Yeah. That's just it. And, and you're still going to have your, your hole in the wall. You're going to have your kind of big box stores that are just kind of organized and junky, but, uh, even, even the ones that aren't necessarily, uh, fancier looking and, and pricier in that sense, if we have more information, thrift stores have more information too. Mm -hmm. And if we have an increase in technology, thrift stores have an increase in technology too. And because they're a business, they want to make as much money as they can. So some of that is going to be figuring out pricing better, understanding how to train their employees better. And a lot of it has even been thrift stores selling their own stuff. Now, places like Goodwill and Salvation Army have always, maybe not always, but have for a long time had an eBay account and have been selling things, books and stuff like that. But as they grow as a company and technology gets easier and their employees are more, you know, versed in how to use that technology, then more and more of that stuff is ending up on their websites and ending up on eBay as opposed to on the store floor. And if it does end up on the store floor, it's typically priced a little bit higher and closer to eBay prices as opposed to old school thrift store prices where it's like a pair of pants. A pair of pants is $2, it's $2, $2. didn't matter whether it was Miss Me jeans or whether it was like a, a beat up pair of Levi's. Like they were all the same. All the same price, yeah. And, uh, you know, on top of that, now there's, you know, new companies that are partnering. Uh, I know of one company that's using like AI technology and, and sourcing uh, these items for these thrift stores and listing them for these thrift stores. Uh, you know, we just mentioned our last update episode, how uh, the store shall not be named is now making their own reseller platform for retailers to sell on that platform. It's just things have changed. And so along with, you know, them a lot more opportunities, 
there's been a shift. And, you know, Mike and I talked about this on the last episode where we shared about how we've changed. And Mike and I, outside of, you know, your vacation that you just were on and that I just went on is we don't we don't go to thrift stores anymore. Right. They, they have definitely locked in, uh, you know, Salvation Army, which is one of the stores I never thought would go online. Now they're online, too. And yeah, things have definitely changed. Uh, but now, along with that, there's a lot more places to sell. So much more. And when we first started the podcast, there was eBay and there was Poshmark. And Mercari was kind of getting its its beginnings. I think Poshmark was was relatively new. I, I maybe even started yeah. shortly after the podcast. No, I agree. And and on top of that, you know, Depop was was around, but it's become way more popular now, especially with the Gen Z generation. Uh, Facebook Marketplace now has shipping. OfferUp has shipping that didn't exist. Yep. Right. So if you want to, I know some people that cross post to Facebook Marketplace and eBay and Poshmark and Mercari. Uh, you also have StockX. It was just starting. Uh, you also had Go and now you have OneNot. And so there's so many opportunity. And the problem, the problem with that too, though, is you can get caught up in the cross posting instead of just focusing on one platform and really doing well on one platform that you have your hand in too many irons and it just, no, too many irons in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's really You're hitting too many fires too. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it, I agree. I think that you've got to be careful. Um, there's definitely a huge benefit to cross posting. If your model can handle it, if you're able to manage the, the organization of that and, and the logistics of that to make sure that you're not double selling things and that you've got things posted correctly and all that goes involved with that and the amount of time that it could take. And there's, there's cross posting uh, programs that people use that can be very beneficial and useful with that. Uh, I've found for me, what works best is just knowing what types of items sell what best on what platforms and just posting them there. Right. So if it's an item that's going to sell best on Poshmark and maybe I'll spend the time to put it on eBay too. But if I'm like, 90% sure it's going to go on Poshmark. I'm going to put it on Poshmark. If I'm 90% sure I'll be able to make more money locally on OfferUp, I'm going to put it on OfferUp locally. Now, could I potentially be losing on some sales because I didn't post it on every single platform? Yeah, potentially. However, I'm saving time. And so for me, the time is more valuable than the potential 10% more sales that I could get. Or how much more listing could you do if staying on one platform instead of cross-listing? Yeah, and and that could, that could be beneficial too. Um, I definitely do think that there's going to be there's going to be certain populations or, or or markets that are going to do better in a in a specific platform. So you might be bummed if five years down the road, all of the I don't know whatever it is Hot Wheels that you listed were on let's say eBay as opposed to on I don't know, Depop. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making something mm-hmm. up here. But if all of a sudden that's like everybody who's buying Hot Wheels, nobody's going to eBay anymore. eBay is not trusted for Hot Wheels. Everybody goes to this website. And you'd be like, man, I'm glad they're all here as opposed to, Mm. so there is benefits because you never know when it's like, this is the place people are going. Like Poshmark is for certain types of clothing items for a certain generation, going to be way more popular than eBay. Now you could say eBay does more clothing sales throughout the year, but if you look at the type of clothing, it's probably like uh, Harley shirts do better on eBay than they do on Poshmark, but a certain brand of of clothing is going to do better on Poshmark than on eBay. So you just got to know your market, know your audience. True. Now, one thing that has really changed is that Pierce Podcast is a Discord. Yeah. And uh, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. Still learning. 
uh, just a great thriving community. We're not a co-group. We're a community of just committed resellers from part-time to full-time. to and, and it's all kinds of sourcing. We got people that go after storage units. We have garage sales. We have liquidation pallets. Uh, you name it. Yeah, we've got our booksellers. We've got our collectible sellers. We have our Amazon yeah. individuals. like people, All kinds. Yeah, it's a great community. So no matter what you're into, you're going to find somebody there who who is going to connect with you and be able to help support you. Or you might be the one that's like, hey, I want to join the Discord because I know a whole lot about G.I. Joe toys or I know a whole lot about this. And I want to share my knowledge with some people who I can help with that. And so you might be the expert joining the group just to help out in that area. And then you might lean on somebody else who knows something about something you don't. So it's been a great community. And the, you know, we've got a place in there where we just kind of rant and rave about things that are happening in the reselling world, problems with reselling. And so... It's just good to have a place where you can talk with like-minded people. They understand what you're going through. And it's it's a good pure community. It's the PRS podcast community. So it's it's been great. It's there's it's not it's not a toxic, negative environment at all. Uh there's not the boasting, there's not people being mean and rude to each other. It's just a good place to hang out, learn. And uh and yeah, I've learned tons of stuff like shipping tips and things like that. That's like, oh man, that's gonna save me a ton of time. And the hustles of the week are incredible. Yeah, well, some sure. of the ones we're going to share are from the Discord today. So uh, jump on over to Patreon uh, to sign up, patreon.com slash uh, the You know, the lowest tier will get you in five fifty five a month, which is about 18 cents a day. I feel like when you do like the break it down by cents a day, it almost makes it sound like it's like a like one of those TV ads where it's like for the cost of for only 20 cents a day. Hey, at least can... I'm not saying it's with a down payment and then after it's this much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 5.55 a month. That's good. No, yeah. but I, I want to think, I mean, it's chump change. Like 5.55? Like you can't even get a Big Mac anymore, I don't think. Yeah. You can't even get a Frappuccino. You can't get, I mean, it's 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 a bargain. So check us out. Uh, it's a bargain with exponential value. Yeah. So check us out at patreon.com. Podcast. Go to the link below and sign up and love to see you there. All right. Some other things that have changed here. Let's talk about how uh, things have changed in selling and shipping. So this one I'll speak on a little bit and I'm sure you'll add to this, but I find that retail arbitrage is not as popular as it was. Mm. I find, and now granted, maybe the algorithm on Instagram and on YouTube and, and on TikTok is feeding me what I like to see, but I just, I don't see retail arbitrage as popular as it was. And I think it's because, like you said earlier, like there's so much more competition. And I think there's been just a just a glut of just all kinds of people trying to jump onto retail arbitrage. And now that thrifting has become popular, not just reselling, but just thrifting for thrifting's sake. You know, uh, Gen Z loves going into the thrift stores. Millennial, I love going to thrift stores, uh, even Gen Xers. Uh, and you know, I think the secondary market has far surpassed uh, the ability of of reselling in retail arbitrage. I think retail arbitrage has become more of wholesalers, more of big uh, businesses kind of pushing out the smaller sellers. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is the fact that even four years ago, you weren't you weren't counting on the fact that you were going to be able to buy something online from Target or Walmart the same way. You oh, that's true. It. Yeah. And so if, if you're like, I need to get this item and Target sells it, you could check the targets in your area. And if they're out of stock, no big deal. You just go on Target online and they order it and they'll ship it to your Target or to your house. And same thing with things like Home Depot and all these places where it's so much easier to buy online from those places to get the deals that they have. So it's less likely that I can say, hey, I'm going to go to my Target 
I know this item is popular, but it's not popular in my area. So I'm going to buy it up at my target and I'm going to sell it to those parts of the country, which don't have it because it's already selling out. Well, those people can just go on target online and buy the item. So it still works for something like Q4 where items are selling out completely across the country. But if it's just, Hey, my region doesn't have this item. You don't necessarily have to turn to eBay or Amazon at a premium. You can usually go on Amazon. It's the regular price or target.com. Walmart.com, Home Depot.com, and just have it shipped to you. So that's definitely impacted, I think, retail arbitrage. Yeah, agreed. And so I, I don't, you know, even myself, I've moved away from retail arbitrage. I had, I would say, I had, I'll be, I mean, I've mentioned this, I had too many losses as last Q4 due to uh, so many people being ungated, which were poor sellers, uh, which led to low, like a race to the bottom. And so there are some people that are incredible that continue to do really well uh, retail arbitrage. But I think there's a lot more opportunity now uh, in the secondary market. Now, some people might uh, not agree with me here, but I, I think there's far more seller protections now than there were four or five years ago. Mm. So I'll give you an example. We've always known about global shipping. So global shipping on eBay, the global shipping program has provided a ton of seller protections. There's also now international standard delivery, which is you can sell stuff and you don't charge the customs uh, import fees right up front. They have to pay it when they go pick up. And so that's available on eBay outside of global shipping where they have to pay everything up front. But uh, it's the same protections are provided, right? If something gets stuck in customs, they didn't want to pick up, you don't lose that money. Like they, they're still on the hook for that or eBay will just refund them or refund you. Now, if you're a top rated seller, you can do partial refunds. Back in the day, there was no such thing. If you got something back and it was used, you either give them a full refund or you try to battle eBay and you would lose. Yeah. And, and, and it is one of those things where your reputation is a big part of it. So being top rated and then not overusing it right because mm -hmm. they they're looking at categories i mean you can see when you go into your ebay account how how many late shipments you have how many how many inads you have in a specific category how many returns you have in a specific category and so they're monitoring those things they every single category whether it's clothing electronics like you might you might lose favor in one of those categories and and mm -hmm. prices go up your fees go up in that category because you have too much negative in that one category so they're monitoring those things so if if you're doing partial refunds every single time, it's going to hurt you. But your reputation is going to allow you and eBay now, their process allows you to use it when you need it. So you've got that opportunity to say, hey, I sold this pair of shoes. It was brand new when I sold it and it's come back. And not only have they been worn, but they're like, they're messed up. They're stained now. They've got creases on them. They're, they're just completely trashed. And you can give that partial refund. Uh, and as long as you're not doing it all the time, eBay is going to side with you because you've got that reputation and they have the process built into their system. So you're not calling customer service and begging and pleading and hoping that they'll just figure something out. So they've, I do agree. They've added a lot of cell protections. And, and when we went to eBay open, that was one of the things they talked about. Like there's certain things you have to do being top rated as part of that. Um, offering free return or not free returns, but just 30 day returns. But free returns will give you even greater protection. It'll give you greater protection. So there's things you can do as a seller now to get those seller protections, which ultimately, I mean, when they mentioned that, they mentioned a lot of things that he'd be there like, we're going to do this thing where there's going to be pages, where there's going to, you can learn about comic books and like all this stuff. And people are <laughs> like, oh, that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. cool. And they're like, we're going to provide you more seller protections. And the place erupted. People were like, yeah, clapping and jumping out of their seats. So we know like that's what we want as sellers. And I think they have, they've definitely given us more. Could, could they do more? Sure. But I think 
compared to four years ago, we've definitely moved in the right direction. Yeah. And the other thing is the removal of negative feedback mm-hmm. is a lot easier. I remember back in the day, like people would get negative feedback and there was, there was no eBay for business on Facebook that you can contact. There was no eBay seller page, uh, seller help page where you can go and you can request removal of feedback. There was no uh, feedback revision request that you can find in your feedback. You, you're, you, I think you get about five a year. Uh, depending on how much you sell, like none of that was available. Like once you got the negative feedback, you were stuck with it, mm. right? Or you had to be on the phone over and over and over and over again. And now, for example, if you offer free returns and the person doesn't return it and they give you negative feedback, you're golden. Like you're good to go. Uh, if, if even even still, if they return it, right? Chances are that eBay, as long as your description was good, your pictures were good, you know, everything's in place. You have a good, you know, reputation. Like you said, eBay is more likely going to remove that negative feedback. It's a whole different ball game. Uh, I remember like, I'm thinking like eight years ago, there was this whole like defect rating thing and it was horrendous. There was no way to appeal. I remember Somebody had bought a short sleeve shirt. I've mentioned this in the podcast a couple of times. So he bought a short sleeve shirt and they got it. And in the pictures, you could see a short sleeve and they left me uh, a negative defect, not negative feedback, but the neg- this is when they had a defect system, a negative defect because I never said it was long sleeve in the title and, and I couldn't battle it and I had to eat the defect where now I, I do not see that happening at all. So Definitely eBay has gotten far better about removing negative feedback. I would say Amazon too. They've actually have, uh, you know, ways that you can request for that feedback and it's pretty automated. So definitely seller protections has become a lot better uh, than back in the day. All right. So the next thing is here, uh, shipping. Shipping has become a major issue. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean... Four years ago, Amazon Prime was definitely still a thing and free shipping was exciting. But even four years ago, like not everybody had Prime. Like you'd talk to somebody and you'd mention like, oh yeah, I don't have Prime or uh, yeah, I, I need to get Prime or not. Now I feel like everybody has Prime. Like Prime, having a Prime membership, I feel like is almost like like having cable at your house. Like mm-hmm. almost everybody has it. Or if, if not cable, you have a Netflix account or something, right? Like everybody has Prime. It's just one of those things I pay every year for Prime. And that led to everybody expecting free shipping on so many things. So then Target and Walmart jumps on board, you know, pretty much everything, given that it's a certain price or whatever, you can sign up for things. Free shipping just became so normal for people that it was, well, why, why do I have to pay $15 for shipping on eBay when it's free on Amazon? So then we had to start factoring those prices in and changing our pricing and trying to get cheap, cheaper shipping. The problem with that is shipping prices have been increasing over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but things like Amazon have normalized really, really fast shipping. It's going to be to you next day or two days. So then now customers are expecting that. And so if we ship something UPS ground, it takes eight days and they're livid because their item is getting there late. And it's like, hey, this is this is how much you paid for shipping and how much it costs. And this is how long it takes. You know, we don't have that big contract now. One thing I would say about that, um, just to kind of add before you jump in, I am really pleased with the fact that eBay has negotiated better prices, I think, with like FedEx and UPS, Mm -hmm. and the discounts are significantly higher than they used to be. So if you remember, my wife used to work at a place that she got a discount for shipping 
big items. So she could ship through UPS through her work and they let you them use it for personal use as an employee. That was one of their benefits. And because they were contracted with UPS because they ship so much. So they get a negotiated price as a company. So there were times where you would ship a really big item yeah. and we would use my wife's discount. I'd contact you. And, like, and, and it, yeah. would, it would, something that would cost maybe $100, $150 to ship might only cost $30 to ship yeah. through her discount. And when we lost that, it was like, oh man, like, you know, that, that's such a huge hit because the eBay prices weren't negotiated as well. But we've noticed over the years, their prices have gotten a lot better. And there were times where it's like, hey, this is actually not bad at all compared Amazon's to- Amazon's done the same too, yeah. yeah. You know, agreed. And it's interesting because- Pirate ship used to go to be the go-to, and it still is for if you want to ship stuff, box in a bag. But you know, cubic shipping kind of went away. Mm. Like the prices have gone up, and so that's the other. The other side of that is eBay has done a great job of negotiating. Amazon's done a great job of negotiating. I do still miss the uh, selling, uh, sending my FBA boxes via FedEx on Amazon, but that's for another day. But on the other side, shipping has definitely gone up in price. Right, I keep mentioning first class for me is the same price as, you know, a padded flat rate envelope priority, right? Or envelope priority. Okay. And, you know, lower, we talked about this in the last podcast, but selling lower cost items is not worth it like it used to be. Mm. So if your item costs more to ship than the item itself, you're out of it. You're at a lose-lose, especially if you have to offer returns. I wanted to share something from someone. Uh, this is from Mike in the podcast. Uh, and this goes along with... Uh, no, not from the podcast. From the Discord. Mike from the podcast is right not, here. Not me. <laughs> Mike from Discord said, I've noticed over the last three or four episodes, you guys have been talking about selling low-value items mm-hmm. in bulk. Mike mentioned picking up glassware and Orlando's posted about some broken toys. This is another rank coming from a Canadian seller who's down 90% plus in terms of June sales year over year. American sellers might not know this, but Canada post shipping rates are so pathetically bad that even within Canada, postage would probably be so prohibitive that you couldn't sell a mug without charging $20 shipping. I mean, we do our mug life, you know, the padded envelope and it's $8, but $20. Wow. A single vinyl record is $20 with tracking. Obviously, I can't say that postage will kill the market for low value items, but I suspect that's the direction we're going. It will not get cheaper, whether or not it's USPS or Canada Post. And I'm in the camp that says it's far from true that buyers will pay shipping if they want the item. Maybe if shipping is $8, not if it's $20. Just another thing to watch out for. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I would say for the higher cost, you know, the high value items, people will still pay shipping. But yeah, it's definitely changing in Canada. I mean, we complain about the post office here, but our post prices are not even close. Yeah. And it's pretty reliable. You know, I it's just yeah. So so you gotta these are things you gotta think about, right? Now is your sourcing and things have changed since the beginning of the podcast or in the last four or five years. There's definitely a change in, in, you know, what you should source, how much you should pricing that and so on. So shipping has definitely changed. Now, one thing that has not changed is our love for American Yeah. Right. The best product out there for bubble wrap ships two days. Next day, local pickup. Uh, mine arrived in, in no time uh, in two days and just clutch when I needed it. I had a stand up mixer I needed to get you know, that bubble wrap for and uh, came in time. So if you haven't tried American uh definitely check them out. 
That's right. And so just go to the link below. Uh, we don't have a promo code at the moment, but they're still the best price and the fastest shipping. So check out our link below because it's still, we still are, we have an affiliate link. So check us out in the link below and get your bow ref on AmericanBowBoy.com. Yeah. All right. Hey, also, if you haven't been uh, following us on social media, make sure to check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I, I think here's the order of when you should check us out. It should be Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and then Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even above those, Patreon and Discord. Oh yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. But uh, we are Pierce of Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and we are Pierce of Cast on Twitter. You could always give us a call six one nine seven three eight eleven seventy six one nine seven three eleven seventy, or you can shoot us an email at Pierce of Podcast at gmail dot com. If you have not. You know, caught us on YouTube. Check us out. We also have mini sods that you may be missing out on, uh, that you are missing out on every Monday. So jump on over to YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, and click on that bell notification so you're notified whenever we drop episodes. And as always, uh, we are grateful for all the reviews uh, that we get uh, on iTunes. And I always like sharing these every once in a while, uh, just because you know just like to know what people are thinking out there. And, right. and if you're a new time listener and you're like, Hey, should I really listen to the podcast? Check it out. So just going to share a couple. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review. Always helps us out. Right. I'm not happy with the 4.9. We need to be 5.0. It's impossible. No, it can. No, I know, but even somehow even. you can make it happen if you leave five star reviews. So if you guys flood it, it would definitely have help us out. So it says here, uh, I love hearing from experienced resellers. Because sometimes I, I go like, are we, you know, that's a tough balance. Like, do we cater too much to new sellers experience? I mean, we just document what we do. Right. But, you know, sometimes maybe it gets old. But I always love listening to these. Uh, this is from uh, uh, Krug Shank 2. I says, favorite podcast of all the ones. My wife and I are eBay sellers since 1998. Nice. 1998. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you, you know what you're doing. First year of college for me. That's it. Wow. Uh, seriously, for the last two years, uh, I've also been an entrepreneur for all my life and now I'm 60. I love this podcast so much. I hesitate to listen to it when it arrives because then I have to wait another week, the next one. And, and maybe soon we'll be having more episodes dropping. So stay tuned. I don't know if Mike and I have really talked about that, but I'm open to, I haven't found an episode yet where I was bored or didn't find something useful for our reselling. Well, thank you. Uh, one of my favorite things is that they include current world events, financial trends and business news that affect my life and reselling. They also don't sugarcoat reselling saying how we all can be full-time and pulling in a hundred K if we were just serious and follow them. I appreciate that because that that's a big deal for me. Yeah, we try, we try and be real. Um, it's, it's, uh, we give, we give information, but we're definitely not, buy our course and you'll be a millionaire because yeah. uh, we're not scam artists. We're still figuring it out. Uh, on top of all that, their banter makes me laugh. I love uh, the come on hustlers. It's like an intro. It's classic. That was all Mike. I remember when he made that. I'm like, what? what is this? I heard that song playing on the radio one time and I was like, oh man, that would be good for it. Yeah, it worked out. All right. Uh, finally, I like what I read between the lines that these two young gentlemen place family and attending church a priority in their lives. I feel like if I met these two guys, we would have a lot in common. I look forward to joining your community and possible uh, two podcasts a week. Yeah, so. hopefully. And Dave and, and Lori in Eastern Pennsylvania. So thanks so much. I appreciate that you guys noticing. Yeah, because there's a whole other side of our lives that we don't talk about uh, just because we want to keep this reselling focused. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, 
there is a lot more to life than just reselling. That's right. And uh, we're grateful that some of you have have caught on to that because that means a lot to us because we definitely uh, always want to make sure that, you know, we're communicating that reselling isn't the end all. All right. And this comes from SP1188LV. It says, amazing, great podcast for resellers, especially if you're new to eBay. Also, we went from experience yeah. to new. Getting hit in the whole spectrum here. The podcast is very engaging and entertaining with great tips. 100% recommended to resellers at all levels. So thank you. If you have not uh, done one of those, really appreciate if you go on there and just let people know why you enjoy the podcast. Because, you know, you get an experienced person. They're like, hey, I'll listen to this. You get a new newbie and they're like, hey, I'll listen to this. You get somebody, I actually, I ran into, I think his name is uh, Dave uh, at an estate. So did I mention this in the podcast? I think you did. Yeah. But I, like, I met Dave too. Oh, you met Dave too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And uh, he's just like, hey, I'm like, hey, so you resell it? And he was at an estate. So he's like, nah, I just like listening to you guys. No, no. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, okay. So, you know, we love the fact that people like following the journey with us. So thank you for all your support. Now, it is time for. Come on, hustlers. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So our first one comes from Alex, uh, who is uh, on our Discord. Uh, so Alex said... They're uh, flip for more on yeah, our Discord for more. and on Instagram. Check them out. Yeah, they have a lot of more. info. Uh, so came across a Masters tournament watch at the first sale at a citywide garage sale. Uh, and you, you've talked about picking up like golf stuff before, like golf jackets, master mm -hmm. jackets, master stuff. stuff yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so paid one dollar, listed on eBay, and listed high despite the sale being three hundred dollars, uh, as his was the only listing for used. Sold within a week. Uh, it was a two thousand one limited edition Masters watch. Um, there's a model number there. Twenty one oh, out of twenty five hundred. Yeah, it's only ooh, nice. It was a limited edition for sure. Sold it for six hundred and twenty five dollars plus shipping from one dollar. Six hundred and twenty-five. Good grief! And you know the nice thing is, and I'm sure you 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 package that thing really well, like really really well, because that's a nice thing. But even still, like if you took a watch and you put it in a box and you bubble wrapped it first, and then you bubble wrapped the box, and then you bubble wrapped that, and then you put paper around it, and you put it into a, another box, that's still going to be super light and super cheap to ship. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Even if you have to pay for the insurance and yeah. signature required, like you're good. Easy peasy. You're good. And flip what for is more that? is a real one from like early episodes. Actually, I had hustle the week from, from the and, early and, days. And true to your name, you flipped for a lot more. You might need to change your name to flip for a Remember, lot more. He was, he was the guy that they played our hustle the week in the warehouse. Oh, right? nice, in the warehouse nice. to listen yep. to. So they were in a competition. So thanks so much, uh, Alex from flip for more. All right. This is from uh, Jason IG handle, uh, F trail pt cell which is full-time trail part-time reseller gotcha okay i always I, i'm sorry jason i fumble this every time this is like your third or fourth of the week in the last 300 episodes uh and said i came across an apple ibook at a garage sale do you remember the ibooks i don't so they're pre-macbooks i paid five dollars it didn't power on due to there being no power cord but instead of getting the power cord, he decided to just list it for parts. Sold an Apple iBook G3 clamshell laptop in less than 24 hours for $110 plus ship. I love that. And I love the fact that you were willing to do it for parts because sometimes things are worthwhile. I've bought batteries. I've bought cords. I've done those things in the past. It, but then I've gotten to a point where a lot of those things, it's if it's if the difference is maybe $50 for parts versus 
working and tested and all of those things. And then you got to buy the thing and wait for it and then test it. And then what if it doesn't work? Then you bought this thing for nothing. So you're taking a gamble either way. A lot of times it's worth it. And then you don't have to worry about the customer getting it and saying, well, it works. But then when you go into this setting, this thing doesn't work because you didn't test every single possible feature on it. So for parts is a lot of times the way to go. Yeah, agreed. So nice work there, uh, Jason IG handle. Uh, <laughs> trail PT cell. All right. Our next one comes from Biblio Mama on Discord. And Biblio Mama is our book expert on Discord. Uh, she sells lots of books and she's really good at making connections and connecting with different people who auction off books and things like that. So this one, uh, networking was key for her. So she purchased another bulk buy of books from an auction source. Uh, it was about 35 to 40 boxes. That's a lot of books. So in there, saw a book with a homemade dust jacket, removed the dust jacket and found a second edition Alcoholics Anonymous first printing. Uh, so the buy cost was about 10 cents once you consider all of them uh, and have only opened two boxes of books so far, listed on eBay and sold an auction for $225. That's what you want to do. You want to be able to be like, First or second box out of 40 boxes and be like 225 bucks just off one book. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah, I That's think how you do it, Biblio Mama. It's crazy. And I think if you do the math, I think that covers a quarter of the expenses. That's, I love it. And you I still got it. like 38 more boxes to go through. So, love it. so it's great. And those AA books, that's a, that's a bolo. You know what I'm wondering too with those kinds of books? Like, so I'm thinking, so my son is like really getting into like snakes and like, old maps and things like that. Like there's a few things he's getting into and he's getting into school. And so we want to get him books for those things. And we've bought in some books like a birds too. He's into birds. So we bought like a bird book, a used one, but it's like a, a old cool national geographic one. We paid like 1150 for that one book, Okay. but it would have been great to think. So if you buy 40 boxes of books like that and m- maybe many of them, and we, we talked to um, what's the name of the, the, the Latin pickers. Yeah. Latin pickers. So they, they have a whole warehouse where they do books. But you could probably take similar books. So even if it's like these books don't sell for very much on their own. But if you put together like 20 bird books or 15 books on reptiles and snakes and sell them in lots like that, you could still probably make that pay for a good portion of the boxes that you buy. So buying in bulk can definitely work when you start lotting together things like that. And then you're going to have those one-off books that sell for $225 for the one book. Yeah. So that's the way to do it for sure. Yeah. It's uh, just wild. (laughs) Uh, books. It's all hard. I, I'm trying to get into that. I, I, and yes, uh, I was a uh, bookseller on Amazon in the beginning, but man, these, uh, these classic books, I mean, I just came across like a hundred of them and I just was like, eh. It's hard when you're, if you're sourcing them just at thrift stores, you can, you can do it. I, I picked up a couple of books, the last thrift store I went to, but a lot of times you go to thrift stores and you got the person who's sitting there with their cart and basically a chair that they've pulled up and their scanner and they're just going through them. And it's like, how do I compete with that? Unless I've got a scanner and I'm willing to sit here for hours. But if you can make those connections and say, hey, I'm willing to buy boxes of books from this company, that that potentially could be the way to go for sure. Especially if they know what types of books you're looking for. And they're like, hey, we got, you know, a lot of books that may work for, you know, what you're looking for. So definitely networking is key. Uh, if you can do that, Biblio Mama has uh, made her her connections and set her niche there. And so that's just a, uh, a way to show if you want to hustle hard. You can definitely make it in a specific niche like that. Agreed. I'm going to add one more hustle of the week that was not planned. And it's because I had spoken with Latin Pickers about this. And it just reminded me that I didn't put it into the program. But they had a crazy hustle of the week. And this should all motivate us about books. Uh, I mean, that one, it was enough. But this is one of those where, again, look up everything. So 
Uh, the Latin Pickers, if you haven't followed them, they're Latin underscore Pickers on Instagram. We also have a YouTube episode uh, you should check out. Uh, we did an interview. Their story is very inspiring. And uh, so Christian Adam, uh, they had a crazy sale. So they buy their books uh, via Gaylord. So Gaylords are huge reinforced boxes uh, and they get them, you know, they get like, I don't know, 10 to 20 yeah, a day. Basically a pallet of books. Yeah, a pallet of books, right? And so pennies on the dollar. And sometimes they'll get randomness. They like one time they found several hundred dollar bills in them. Wow. They'll find video games. They'll find whatever. But they came across a set of books. So they, <laughs> they, they so you know, remember uh, the, the story of Moby Dick and catching that white whale. Yeah. Well, they caught one, mm. and so they uh, they came across a limited first edition of a thousand. Of a thousand 1930s version of Moby Dick. Nice. Okay. It's, it's three books. You can check it out on Instagram. The three volume of the book, I guess, is broken up. And they listed it for two months at $7,500. Remember, they paid pennies on the dollars, by the way. And they counted off for $7,000 and someone bought it. Jeez. $7,000. So... Again, Latin Pickers, they've been in the game for a long time and uh, they they know what's going on. I, seriously, I mean, I, I look at their follower count. They, they're they at 3,300, so they've grown a lot. I mean, in the early days when we knew them, I think they were under 1K. These guys should be like next level. They, <laughs> I would say they probably should surpass us at points because they definitely, when it comes to their, their book selling, uh, they, they know what they're doing. So check them out. Uh, Christian Adam, Latin underscore Pickers on Instagram pennies to 7k Jeez. crazy all right what's your hustle of the week now that we threw that out there all right so my hustle of the week hopefully is the end of my uh my church camera saga so oh my i've sold the last camera and i am I, I just can't tell you how excited i am about that because one of the things we were worried about with these cameras um was they sit I mean, I, maybe we could have brought them into our house and maybe that's what we should have done if they would have lasted longer, but it's starting to heat up here in our storage unit. It it gets hot, you know, and it's like, I don't, I'd hate for them to sit for a long time and then something to go wrong with them. And then I've tested them, but then after sitting for months and months and months in the heat, does something go wrong? So we sold our last one and we sold it for, I want to say it was like 450 or something nice. like that plus shipping. And we haven't heard back from the other one yet that we sold. So no complaints. And so this is my last one all said and done i think i've made at least about a thousand dollars net profit on these nice. uh on these cameras what was your so, what was your total cost like 50 bucks? i paid i paid 55 per camera so okay. 150 160 bucks something like that. So you kind of paid bucks. up but it was, it was yeah like i paid up on it but I, I knew i knew that i could sell at least the lenses from those cameras for the price that i was paying for the camera so i knew i wasn't going to lose money i was at least going to break even and that was the case on one of the cameras i had to sell the lens separately and the camera for parts only and that pretty much paid for the other two cameras, like the whole purchase. And then I sold two cameras for, you know, close to $500 a piece. So it was it, it was definitely nice. worth it. I had to do a little bit of a Franken box. It wasn't actually too bad. It was a beautiful. I I packed it beautifully. I hope I get a I hope I get a this was this we need, was a, we need a Franken box section in the discord. We should. Uh, this was the most protected piece of anything ever shipped ever. Cause it was, it was really protected. I like, I basically did the mug life thing where I took the camera, I took the lens off the camera. I took the camera, bubble wrap paper first, then bubble wrap. And then I took a box and I rolled it inside. I, I yeah. cut the box. I rolled it to basically make like a protection thing. And then I closed that up and then I floated that in paper and 
styrofoam inside of another box that had like two boxes put on top of each other. I mean, this thing was did it right. protected. So, That's good. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I had, uh, I went to Garage Hell. I mentioned Garage Hell has been fire. And I've been branching out into categories I normally don't buy. So I came across this garage. It was about nine in the morning. Yeah, it was no, not even. It was like nine thirty in the morning, and there was a whole bunch of sports collectibles that this person was selling. And usually, when you there, people are selling sports collectibles at a garage sale. It's probably not worth it, right. you know. They're just it's just like wax era baseball cards that aren't worth much or whatever. Or if it is worth a lot, they know it, and so they're they're charging. Yeah, they way want up. top dollar. So I came across and they had, uh, I picked up a, a ticket stub. Ticket stubs are a good bolo right now. Depending on what they are, they can go for good money. So I, I picked up a ticket stub. I picked up two ticket subs for the Padres. One was their last game at Qualcomm. Another one was the All-Star game they had a few um, in the 90s, maybe. And then I picked up a, a Chargers Hawaiian shirt. I picked up five snapback hats. And one of the things I picked up was uh, Ricky Henderson. Those of you that are, you know, Child of the nineties, Ricky Henderson, best, uh, uh, you know, the stealer of bases. I don't know if that's his title, but in the nineties played for the A's, uh, amazing, amazing athlete. And he had a, uh, a signed baseball and a card that was already graded and it was graded by Beckett a 5.5, which isn't the best of grading, but right. you know, it was, it was already done. It was all done. And so, and you know, I had a certificate of authenticity. It wasn't by PSA or anybody. It was by a San Diego like store. So I, I'm like, eh, I don't know, you know, but whatever. I mean, and so I paid $40 for everything. So my cost for this was about $5. And so I, again, I say this, like you should all document your journey. Um, I, I would say at, at the least on social media, I would say YouTube, you know, it does take a lot of work. So be careful with that one, but you just never know. And so as the podcast has grown over the years, uh, we have a lot more opportunities where people that follow us on social media or on the discord now buy stuff from us before they ever make it onto eBay. Okay. And so we're resellers, not because we sell on YouTube or because we sell it to our followers, but sometimes it does happen. And so it was pretty awesome. Somebody on Discord contacted me and they said, hey, I'm really interested in that Ricky Henderson uh, signed baseball and the card. And it's always a tough one because when I sell to somebody that follows on Instagram or on Discord, I feel like it's a you're dealing with family. Mm. Right. And you don't like there's times and I'm like ah, on eBay, I, you know, there's I would sell this for, you know, 200. But I also want to give them a deal because, you know, like they reach out first. There's not going to be any fees. And sure enough, uh, we came up with a, a great solution. We met, I think, at a very fair price for for both of us uh, because it was both the baseball and the card. And who knows? I, I, I could see this card being regraded and maybe selling for more because it looked pretty good in, in the, in the case and, and the baseball, if you get a PSA authenticated, will probably be worth more. So my guess is, uh, this is probably going to be a sell for more than I sold it for. <laughs> it's going to be hey, resold again. Hey, you're a middleman, which I'm, I'm that's, fine with. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So, uh, turned at five and, and sold within a couple hours of, uh, the garage sale for $135, uh, nice. free ship. I like it. And on top of that, you know, my cost for the day at garage sales was $76. So everything else I got was was Eight already four. profit done. Yep. So, anyways, thank you so much uh, for that purchase. And uh, yeah, you just never know that's possible. Week never know. All right, hey, before we move on, so we're recording super early. You know, we started uh, recording at four thirty in the morning because been busy, 
And uh, Mike, Mike, you know, I noticed it glistening in his head from the lights in the studio. Yeah, it's uh, I got a, I got a freshly shaved dome uh, because on my way here, driving here, I have my skull shaver in one hand, steering wheel in the other, and I uh, <laughs> I, I shaved it up, and uh, it's great because it it travels well, and it, I can do it in the car. I can skull shave in at the gym. Uh, sometimes I, I I get to work, and I'm like, oh man, I got. I pull it out real quick, shave before the students come into class, and uh, I always look my best. Skull shaver is super easy. The battery lasts forever. It's easy to clean. It's basically self cleaning, and man, it's been it's been a lifesaver. I can't tell you how many times because if I was actually shaving, if I had to spend the time in a bathroom with shaving cream and a razor, I wouldn't be shaving my head as often. I'd probably be going. There'd be several times throughout the week where it's like I skipped a day. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with skull shaver, I never have to skip a day, and it's easy. It's great. Use our promo code. Our promo code is Hustle Capital H. You'll get a nice discount. It lets them know we sent you. And uh, and and yeah, if you've got if you've got a nice bald dome like we have, get yourself one. Trust me. Treat yourself. It's worth it. You just miss Father's Day. Maybe maybe you didn't get it for Father's Day, uh, but you know, let your family know. Like, hey, if you want to get me a gift, Skull Shaver promo code Hustle. It would really help you out. Yeah, and uh, let us let us know in the comments if you bought a skull shaver. What was your experience, good or bad? We want to hear. We want to know. My guess is almost. Uh, my guess is all of them are good experiences. So let us know in the comments below. All right. So what has stayed the same since we started the podcast, as far as reselling goes? First of all, profitable items sell. I know that sounds silly. Yeah. If it's an item that sells well, it'll sell. No, but what I mean by that is. You just have to adapt. Reselling has not declined. Reselling has only increased. And it's all about finding that same product. And again, you know, a lot of people say the market's saturated or, you know, they're like, oh, reselling is not worth it. And I 100% completely disagree. Uh, I would like, I would love somebody to convince me that reselling isn't worth it and that I should find something else because I, it, it doesn't exist. Well, part of the thing is it could be, it could be challenging if you were in a niche, maybe you were selling 10, 15 years ago and there wasn't a lot of people selling what you're selling and you had easy access to it. And it was basically like you were printing money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I've true, known people true. who are yeah. like that. It's like when pogs were big and, and they had a store and they were basically like, I, I, I make, cause I worked at a, a trading card store. And they would go to like fairs and stuff and basically just sell pogs. And it was literally like they were printing money with those things. Yeah. They could, they I couldn't keep that. them. They, they were just flying off the shelf and then pogs die out. And it's like, well, that was like 30% of our revenue as a company, you know? So if you were, if you were basically just printing money off of one niche and it was easy for you, and then all of a sudden that market is saturated or that market dies, you can feel like, Hey, I, this is done for me. But that doesn't mean that that it's all done. There's going to be something else. That's the beautiful thing with with trends. When one dies, another one is born. And you just got to be either in the right place at the right time or be willing to hustle hard, learn a new niche and keep moving forward. Yeah, agreed. So always know that there will be something out there. You just got to be consistent about sourcing, whether it be garage sales, online arbitrage, you know, watching YouTube videos, whatever it is. Uh, it just, you got to adapt, right? You got to be relevant. And that's one of our slogans for the podcast has always been, you know, real <laughs> relevant. I almost forgot it. I, I don't know how that happens, but being relevant is so key in reselling because you could watch a YouTube video that was done 10 years ago and none of that is relevant. Yep. 
you may listen to some of our podcasts, which I, I think they're pretty much all relevant, but there might be some bolos that we gave in episode eight or 10 or 12, which or is, which is one of the reasons why we don't, our, our focus isn't like, Hey, we're going to do full. We've had episodes that are like bolo compilations, yeah. but like, we're not like, here, here's what to sell on eBay, but more of here's how to be a reseller. Here's how to true, look for things. True, here's true, how true. to learn things. Cause then that information stays relevant. Even if parts of the episode, it's like, Oh, we're not in 2020 anymore. And so those things might not be as relevant. We're talking about hand sanitizer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> However, the the principles remain. And so yeah, you gotta you gotta keep up with the trends and and learn the principles. It's like the whole give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, he eats for a life. Like that's kind of the concept here is is Pierce Podcast. We're not trying to just give you a fish. Here, go to Target and buy this one item and sell it, and you're gonna make a bunch of money, as opposed to here's how you find something that'll sell for money if you're scanning items in Target. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Now Along with that, fees have highly, not highly, but fees have increased, right? Yeah. Since we started. I mean, we've, we've had promoted listings now, which wasn't around when we started the podcast. Uh, remember the whole promoted listings gate that happened? Like everybody was in freak out mode and, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. Okay. Uh, because, you know, you pay for promoted listings, but if you have an ad blocker, it didn't show up and mm-hmm. it, that's still an issue. eBay now does pay-per-click. And so you can actually, you know, pay to have something out there and you have to pay for each time it gets clicked on, even though it might not sell. Mm -hmm. Uh, Final value fees have gone up. Uh, You know, eBay has made more money now from their fees than they've made from items being sold on their platform. And so things have changed. But despite all that, reselling is still worth it. Right. And I would say reselling on platforms such as eBay and Amazon are worth it because, yes, even though the fees have gone up, there's still a ton of profit to be made. Yeah. And you kind of got to look at it, how it connects to everything. So your fees and everything have gone up. We've talked about inflation prices going up and we've talked about the fact that eBay, even though there's fees in a lot of ways, is still significantly cheaper than the overhead of owning a, a brick and mortar. Now, you if you're in the right business brick and mortar might be the right model for you however if you're renting a building the rent would have gone up the gas would have gone up the electricity would have gone up Mm -hmm. the water would have gone up uh the cost you to pay your employees would have gone up the all of these things everything has gone up so to figure like there's now an extra one or two percent fee on ebay you can kind of look at that and go well I haven't had to have the increase everywhere else, right? Now, if you're selling out of your home, your rent might have gone up or your your, your other things can still bills, go up. Power so, bills, yeah. things still go up. But compared to a brick and mortar, the fees on eBay are, it's reasonable. It, it sucks. We'd all love, would it be great if eBay just said, hey, we're a free platform now, there's no fees? Sure, but that's not the case. And so you got to deal with it and adapt. And again, maybe it's hurt your business some, but you can, you can find ways to adapt and still be very profitable. Agreed. And the last one here is, I'm I'm speaking specifically about selling secondary goods, that selling on eBay or whatever other secondary uh, platform, it's still one of the easiest low risk opportunities to make money. Hands down, right? Whether you're trying to make that side money to maybe go on, on date nights with you know your your special whatever person, uh, if you're if you're trying to save money for a vacation and make money for that vacation, or if you're trying to cover the bills, or if you're trying to go full time and, and escape that nine to five, definitely is still doable uh, with reselling. And 
what you risk is more time than money. And it's definitely in the beginning, you're going to be spending a lot more time than money. And over time, you're going to make more money and you'll be able to use money to your advantage to save you time. Mm. And so I find that reselling continues to be that avenue. That's good. I like it. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scams out there of things that, you know, buy into this and you're going to make a bunch of money. There's a lot of, there's a lot of businesses where you can make money, but there's very few things that has such low barrier of entry and such a low cost that you, you almost guarantee to be profitable. If somebody's like, Hey, I want to start reselling. What do I do? I say, Hey, take 20 bucks that you have that you don't mind losing. Mm -hmm. Go to a thrift store here. Let me show you how to look up stuff that sells. It'll turn that 20 bucks into 35, 40 bucks without too much trouble. And next Mm -hmm. thing you know, it just keeps expanding and going bigger and bigger and bigger. As you're learning, you're you're gaining money too. It's not like it's costing you usually. Uh, You can't say that about everything. So I definitely think that reselling is a low barrier to entry, low cost way to be successful. It's not always easy. It's not the easiest thing, uh, but it's almost a guarantee thing. Agreed. Agreed. And so, hey. Make sure to keep being consistent. Thank you to all of you uh, that have been listening to us since episode one or even episode 100 or 299. Thank you for sticking with us all the way through 300. Grateful for every single one of you. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Late. Peace.